Hello, friends, and welcome to All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude. I'm Justin Flaskrude. Hope you are healthy, safe, plus making good decisions when it comes to being around other people in public situations. This pandemic is far from over, and the death count keeps going up. In Wyoming, we only have 15 deaths, and that isn't much compared to other states, but our population is so spread out over this state that, well, folks, there are more elk and antelope than people here. But the death count remained at seven while we were in isolation. And the moment they loosened everything up, we're up eight more deaths. And they could have been probably prevented. By the time you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure the death count has gone up even more in Wyoming and nationwide. All I know is my own situation. And I don't trust random humans with my life. So I'm taking the very conservative approach when it comes to this virus. Masks. They're the seatbelts of our face. They aren't comfortable, but they just save lives. It's proven fact already about seatbelts, and it's a proven fact about masks right now. Well, let's get off that subject. I know everybody's talking about it. It's on everybody's minds. It's in everybody's faces. So hopefully tonight's interview can uh, provide a distraction from that topic. I think we get into it a little bit, but not as much. And uh, so just enjoy this interview. And my guest today on the show is John Wisman, and we have a knack for talking about anything and everything at length. I remember we talked for a while at a UW football game, tailgate, tailgate party. We should talk in football, every, anything else, but we talked aliens. Now, I lean more towards that aliens are out there than he does, but it was a fun talk with John that day, and it was a fun talk with John during this interview. We talked about his life and random topics. Enjoy. I was born in Falls City, Nebraska, a little tiny town in like the very southeast corner of Nebraska, right by the Missouri state line and the Kansas state line. And uh, were your parents from Falls City? How'd they meet? How'd they get there? I think like three generations back, we've all stayed in Falls City. Um, so they, and my parents, 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 I know we're all Falls City people. Um, wow. So, yeah. I, so, I got out. I got out. So I don't currently live in Falls City. So. Well, that's good. That's good. Did like... Uh, so they both, your mom and dad's parents grew, were both from Fall City. So they just met at like a county fair. How'd they meet? Um, well, that's a, that's a really good question. I guess, you know, that's one of those things that's, I don't have much details on, huh. to be honest with you. Well, it's I a know, mystery. Yeah, my parents went to the same college and they met there. And I mean, they're not married now, but... Sure. I always, they seem like such polar opposites. So I'm always like, how'd they meet? People were like, how'd your parents meet? And I was like, drugs. It's got to be. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, because they're just opposite people. Like, they're great with their current partners. My step parents are great people to make my parents better people. They, they're better relationships. But it's just weird how they got together and they created me. And I was like, hey, thanks. You know, but it was just so weird how they, I know they met at college. And so, and it was during the 60s. So I was like, yeah, maybe drugs. I don't know. Yeah, well, hey, drugs brought a lot of people together back yeah. in those days. I mean, they probably still do, you know? 
And so I guess that's a question you need to ask your parents next time you see them. It's like, how did they meet? Like, when was that moment they were like, you're the one, let's have some kids together? Well, here's an interesting story. And it's, it, it's not, um, it's kind of sad that I know this about my parents, but not how they met exactly. Um, my mom's like first real boyfriend in high school, his name was Danny Warner. He's a Fall City kid, star football player. Um, at 18 years old, when they were seniors, he got murdered. Oh, and, wow. you know, Fall City is a tiny little town. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 3,000, maybe 3,500 people. Um, and he was, he was murdered, and, um, and they found his body in the Missouri River, and that was never solved. It was an unsolved murder mystery out of Fall City, Nebraska. And it was my mom's, his, like the guy she thought she would marry someday, I guess. You know, they were wow. um, in love. So she's, uh, um, at some point after that, obviously, then she met my dad. So, um, yes, yes. And, and, and they produced me. So yeah, I guess I should, I should thank them for that. Figure out when, how, yeah, when, not, not when they produced you, but how they met and how they found love. <laughs> um, so do you have siblings? Yeah, I, I have one of each. Uh, they're both younger. So I'm the eldest of three. Uh, my brother is, uh, a year younger than me. And he, he lives in Omaha, Nebraska. So uh, not, he made it, uh, you know, about 100 miles away from, from Fall City. Um, and uh, I actually have a younger sister who is, she's seven years younger than I am. Um, and she also lives up in Omaha. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there was quite a, there was quite a gap. She was the, uh, the surprise kid that my parents had uh, <laughs> you know, after, after the fact. They thought they were done. I have a, a sister who's 11 years younger than me. So I don't know if that was a whoops because that was my stepdad's and mom's child. I think it was a little bit planned, but they were definitely um, older parents when they decided to have her and everything. But yeah, it's because I have an older sister who's six years older than me. So it's, she's 17 years older than me. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. It, it, it's like a whole brand of parents for my little sister, like from me and my older sister to my parents, to my mom and stepdad. My little sister gets a lot of parenting. A lot of, oh my gosh, where did we go wrong? You know, she has a lot of pressure on her, but else she's spoiled because she's the youngest. And so I'm sure that's the case too. You kind of, I'm sure, blaze some trails for your siblings to totally get away with some things. <laughs> well, you know, me and my brother were, oh my gosh, we were hardly 12 months apart. Okay, yeah. I think my parents waited that mandatory three months you know, after having me before they started, uh, you know, getting busy to try to get that second kid going. So, um, uh, you know, he, he um, him and I, we were always buddies, I guess, okay. you know, we were born so close together that, uh, and, um, you know, my sister, she was born so much later than me that I never really got to know her that well. I was kind of out of the house before she started to become a, a real person, I guess, uh, you know, she was still pretty young and, you didn't become the built-in babysitter like I was. Like, no, I didn't have to do that, yeah. actually. Yeah, that's, I, and I've heard that from a lot of people that are, you know, there's large gaps in the family. But, um, yeah, I was never called on to, to babysit, so I got away pretty easy there. So you and your brother are probably like uh, the brothers from Boondock Saints. I know they're not real twins in the movie. They're like a 12-month kind of shenanigans that go on. So you guys probably know what each other think and – and stuff like that. I'm sure you were there for each other in a lot of first in your lives. 
Oh, for sure. You bet. Yeah, yeah. We ran together all throughout uh, our childhood. You know, unfortunately, that didn't continue on into adulthood. But, you know, people have families and kind of grow apart, I guess. It's just life. I noticed, oh, yeah, you didn't turn into, like, the Duke boys or anything. Like, like <laughs> just, you know, rel- you know, I guess they are cousins, but whatever. Brothers that are just never leave each other's side. Like, don't live right next to each other, stuff like that. And that's okay. That's healthy. Uh, and my siblings live kind of all over the place. I used to. Uh, now my younger sister lives in Las Vegas with my parents. But, like, my parents met because they ventured out. And they put this thing into us to adventure out. And so, yeah, I did for a little bit. I went to New York. My older sister, she's in Texas. But she went to Florida first. My little sister went to Florida. And it was just interesting to see us kind of all be like, okay, I'm out. Like, I'm going off into the world. You know, not stick home, not, okay, now I'm going to where my sibling lives. It was all time to develop ourselves and get out there and do something different than being so-and-so's brother or sister, you know. Sure, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So what were you like as a kid growing up? Were you, you know, into athletics? Were you reading all the time? Uh, mischievous, you know, were you out breaking laws and such? Um. I, I like to tell my kids that I was probably the easiest kid to, to raise, um, okay. you know, patting myself on the back a little bit. Here, right? <laughs> uh, no, at uh, straight A's, you know, never had to worry about the schoolwork and stuff. At eight years old, I got my first paper route. So I started, you know, trying to become, I guess, fiscally responsible and you know, learning the, uh, the ins and outs of the real world and, and monies. Uh, and that one paper route turned into two a few years after that. So I had a, a morning route and then an afternoon route. So before and after school, um, I stayed out of trouble. I did, you know, I did uh, what, what my parents wanted me to do. I wasn't rebellious. Um, but with that, doing those, you know, being a good kid came a lot more, um, you know, I guess they, they loosened their restrictions on, on me, you know, so they let me drive the car at 14 years old without them being in there. Just, you know, there was a, there was a good trust relationship there. So um, I wish all kids could be like that. <laughs> uh, I remember probably the worst things I would do growing up in Oregon. We're, we're lucky that we had like an acre of forest behind us connected to another acre of forest. So your imagination ran wild back there. Like sticks or guns, swords, whatever. It's tree forts, all that good stuff. And uh, so there was a lot of freedom to go out and do that kind of stuff. Probably the, the uh, most rebellious thing I did, I'm sure I lit a fire in like dug out a cave and we lit a fire or something. That was probably the most. And my mom was like, did you light a fire? And of course I reeked of like smoke. No, no. She's like, I know you did. I was like, how do you know these things before I do them? She's like, I'm your mother. And so, yeah. And that was probably one of my most rebellious stuff. And then I moved to Wyoming and started sneaking out at night a little bit. I was 13. Started hanging out with some bad kids. And uh, it wasn't a route I was familiar with. And uh, changed that. Stopped being friends with them. Some other things happened. But then I turned into that good kid you were. Well, that's what, what it's really all about is the right friend group. Yeah. Right? You know, if you find the bad kids, well, you're just automatically going to be a bad kid. I mean, how many, you know, times have you seen the, 
the group of mostly bad kids. And then there's the one kid that's always trying to tell them, oh, no, don't do that. That's bad. Don't do that. That's bad. Yeah. That kid doesn't last long in the group, right? So yeah. <laughs> he doesn't exist, really. <laughs> it, I, well, when I moved to Wyoming, I saw sports as a way out. Because I was not happy moving from a suburb of Portland to uh, Laramie, Wyoming. It just wasn't working. It wasn't, I, well, I wasn't happy. And uh, so sports was my way out. But I couldn't jeopardize sports by screwing up in the community, by going and doing dumb things. It's a good so, motivator. Yeah, it kept me grounded to that. Plus, I didn't like a lot of the kids that would party and such because I was like, hey, I'm not a good enough athlete to get this done without hard, working hard and you know getting rest and not partying and stuff. That I kind of was like, I wonder if you could be better if you didn't do that kind of stuff. That's what I thought about those. So I didn't hang with those people. And yeah, I kept my nose pretty clean throughout high school and everything. And then, yeah, sports go away and I go to college and it gets a little more crazier after that. Um, so you got straight A's through high school and everything? Yeah, yeah, that changed in college. <laughs> changed in college. The little uh, high school in Fall City didn't quite prepare a guy, you know, for, for four-year college. But, um, you know, I survived calculus. Calculus was like blew my mind. Yeah. Um, when, when I got there, and I had to take Calc one my, you know, freshman year, first semester. They just throw me, throw me to the wolves. And, and this uh, is at the uh, Nebraska University. No, of- I went to um, a college in St. Joseph, Missouri, uh, called mm-hmm. Missouri Missouri Western State College. I think oh, it's wow. a state university now. Um, so it's obviously gotten a lot bigger over the years. But this would have been ninety uh, seven when I started college over there. And so what made you go there? Uh, they, so uh, one day in high school, they got, gathered all the, uh, the seniors together. It was like early in the school year. And they took us to the gym and there was all these tables set up. Um, and it was like, it was kind of like a job fair. It was like a college fair kind of a deal. Um, you know, the, the army was there, the Marines was there, Oh yes. a bunch of local colleges and, um, you know, places that, you know, just jobs that you could get, you know, without going to college. Um, but uh, anyways, they were there and I had taken my ACT like the year before late in my junior year. Um, and they asked me what my score was. I told them and they offered me a presidential scholarship, full ride academic scholarship right then and there. If I signed up wow. for their school. So I was like, well, yeah, why not? You know, they had the program that I was interested in. So I signed on and uh, ended up going there for, oh, three years uh, in the um, gosh, mathematics and computer science. Wow. Early, early in my, uh, you know, my adulthood, I wanted to be a computer programmer. But uh, that dream kind of faded as I took classes and kind of got familiar with the you know, the ins and outs of it. It wasn't that I was bad at it, but it was about the most boring job I could ever imagine having. So, so I quit. Yeah. Like my dad and stepmom were like on the forefront of bringing computers into like schools and elementary schools when I was in Oregon. So I was kind of guinea pig in a lot of usage and being taught how to use them. And I learned a lot of programming and they moved to Wyoming where it just wasn't happening. And I always wonder if I would have stuck with it where I would have gone. But then my, one of my buddies, he went into computer science in college and was like, 
yeah, it turns out I like people. And just, you know, I want to go outside <laughs> and things. You know, I was, he was like, it's just not for me. I was like, I enjoy the program. I mean, the stuff, but it's just, like you, you said, the ins and outs. Okay. And he was just like, I just can't. And now he's a math, a math uh, teacher in Las Vegas. But I mean, he's definitely computer background. It's still, his head works the same way. Oh, number, sure. Yeah. 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 He just, just was not, like, not uh, seeing the, the matrix code running yeah. up and down your screen all day while you're, you know, doing your job. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I mean, I can, I thought I was going to be in marketing and then ended up broadcasting major. So it changed really quickly. Um, just cause, uh, marketing was a hustle and yeah. I was more comfortable in making news and art and videos and that just worked for me more than yeah the hustle of marketing which yeah, I was well, yeah you're kind of yeah, I imagine that some forms of marketing is there's deception involved you know right and and uh, I was in a, a class a DECA class it's a club and it wasn't class it was a club in high school and it was all about marketing and advertising and you had marketing classes a couple of them I think in the advertising class and I was a president of it when I was a senior and you learn, you see right through, like commercials do not work on me at all, <laughs> at all. Like, I'll be like, that's glue, not milk on that cereal right there. You know, milk doesn't look that way ever. And you're like, oh, and I was like, and just, I was like, I appreciate the stuff. I see how it works in the shotgun approaches and it works on a lot of people clearly, but it doesn't really work on me. I understand it too much because I studied it for a while, but I wasn't that good at it. And so I'm glad about it. I changed and all that stuff. So you went there three years. What happened after three years? You know, um, <laughs> I wish I could remember what you know, John was thinking back then, but um, you know, I got, I got bored with it. And like I said, I just wasn't ready to accept that that was going to be my you know, my career, I guess, you know, sitting there punching buttons on a keyboard and, and typing in this code and then, you know, not having it work and then having to go back and debug it and running it some more. It was just really tedious and, um, and uh, just sitting behind the desk. I don't know. It just really got to me at the time. So I, uh, I dropped out. I dropped out of college, you know, doing good, still had my scholarship, just was confused as to what my path was supposed to be, you know, and, uh, went back home, went back home, moved in with my folks in Fall City. I got a job in a factory, a factory that made um, the what they call the cruise stairs for um, airplanes. So like the, 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 they're the little skinny stairs that go up to, I don't know, there's a different door apparently than the one that, you know, everybody else boards the plane. Um, so anyways, we built these stairs and I ran a grinder for eight to 10 hours a night, uh, a hand grinder. And I grew I just, I ran, ran it on welds and I did that for months. I did it for months. And then I, I, I realized that that was not going was to be, grind. It yeah, it was not going to be my life. man. So um, that's when I moved to Lincoln and I went back to college It actually finished the next time. So I just went a different path. I did uh, electronics. Okay. Electronics technology instead of uh, 
programming, which, you know, is kind of the same thing. There's a lot of troubleshooting involved and there was so much, you know, electronics is inside of everything. So, I mean, there's literally uh, thousands and thousands of different jobs working on different kinds of stuff. So hardware. Yeah. The hardware side. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The hardware side, people get caught up in all you know, like the software so much that they forget about the hardware. It actually makes it functional. And yeah. Yeah. Big amounts you know? of it. And once upon a time, that was all there was was hardware. There wasn't software, you know, like yeah. the pre-microprocessor days. It was, you know, everything was done with mechanics, basically. Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, I do a lot of hardware. I'm, that's what I say. People are, because they're like, oh, you work in IT. And I'm like, I'm hardware. And they're like, oh. I was like, yeah, I can't fix your computer. Because I, I, I know exactly what they're going to ask. I was like, no, I know enough to break it a little bit more but not enough to fix your problem. I experiment on my own stuff, but I'm not going to put my thing out, my shitty knowledge out there to scrub somebody else's computer. But I can tell you what hardware will plug in what, what will run what, and we can, you know, that will easily, I understand the plugs. I'm like, it only plugs in one spot. It's right there. <laughs> That's right. That's how this is going to work. And it needs this kind of single, like explaining, like, I was like, all right, this only sends video. People are like, what? I'm like, oh man, I don't know. There's many different ways to deliver things. How do I explain this kind of stuff? But it's interesting. Yeah, that, so, is, a, that is a fact. So, and then you probably run into that in your business too, the, uh, the language barrier sometimes yes. between, you know, people that are savvy to whatever it is, you know, uh, and people that, are, that, that aren't savvy at yeah. all. <laughs> you have to come up with unique ways to kind of dumb things down, you know, and, and uh, you know, there, the cliff notes. <laughs> there was a time period during meetings that back a few years back when I worked with engineer TV engineers and then we had management and I literally translated into your meetings. Like this is what they're saying. Okay. This is what he's saying. You guys understand? Like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah, it's not. And so I felt like there's a scene in office space where he's like, you know, and talking about like, what do you do? And he's like, why bring them the plans? I speak to the engineers. And they're like, well, couldn't they? No, no, they can't. You know, so I'm like, I talk engineer and I talk, I talk computer and I talk management. And so I know enough that I can stay in management, but I don't know too much uh, to be a manager. Like I have a foot in both worlds. It's handy to have. If you can understand both sides. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting. I never thought I'd be working in IT. Like I said, I had a broadcasting degree. I'd rather be doing something with that, but it's where life takes you. And so speaking of that, yours took you back to getting a degree in electronics at University of Nebraska. Is that correct? No, um, actually, no, another, ended up, another college. <laughs> I ended up going to, yeah. Uh, I went to, to a little tech school. Uh, in okay. here. It's, it was called Southeast Community College. All right. It was, uh, you know, when I, when I first moved up here, um, I lived in a house, you know, with a bunch of other guys and stuff. And uh, actually had to share a bedroom with the dude. Huh. Uh, so he got the bed and I had to sleep on the floor every night. But huh. um, I paid less rent, which okay. you know, was, was already super cheap. So sure. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to complain about that. But uh, um, so, yeah, I moved up here. So I had to work full time so I could afford, you know, my bills and stuff. Um, and that college just happened to be, you know, I, I don't know if you, you know much about community colleges, but, you know, they run all year long. You know, they have like four quarters a year 
first four semesters or whatever. And uh, they have like night classes. So I was able to, you know, like kind of do um, a couple days during the week and then a couple nights during the week. And I can maintain like a full-time job and, you know, keep my bills paid up and, and, and uh, survive. So, but, uh, but yeah, it was a nice little school. Best money I ever spent. You know, and I still, you know, if, if I know kids or talk to kids that are getting ready to uh, either go to college or go to the working world, I always recommend that school. Oh, that's good. It was super cheap. It didn't, it didn't kill me financially. Um, and like the education I got was awesome. You know, it's gotten me every job I've ever had, you know, up here. So. Well, I worked in an outreach school at the University of Wyoming. So a lot of our stuff is not definitely night classes and getting to a definitely, a, you were probably a non-traditional student by then. Um, you were just trying to finish that. Were your credits transferable from the other university? They did. They oh, did, but not, not a lot of what I'd taken there really kind of fit into the, the program. Um, you know, some of the, you know, the math and stuff, I didn't have to redo that, you know. Like I said, I had, to take, I had to take it like calculus two, you know, um, there were, oh my gosh, there was all, there was all kinds of these advanced math classes that I had to take, uh, you know, I actually passed, yeah. uh, but they, you know, obviously those didn't really transfer, but I didn't have to take any more math or foreign languages. You're way above. I was, you know, instead of it being a two year program, I was done in like, you know, a year and a quarter. Oh, that's good. That's so, good. Yeah. It cut it down a little bit. Yeah, and we worked hand in hand with a lot of community. Co- like, there's, I think, three or four, maybe, maybe five uni- uh, community colleges in the state of Wyoming, like that. That are two year institutions. You know, man. And I, so, yeah, I'm very familiar with them and everything. And we, I, I love those kind of schools. Sure, yeah. I mean, I I understand, you know, the four year schools that they, you know, they're always going to exist. But you know, we keep having these politicians that try to get into office, you know, presidential uh, position and whatever, and you know, they always push for possibly free, free college. And I am all about that. I think sure. they should push that, you know, free, free two year tech school or, or, you know, community college, whatever your program. It only benefits society. And only Absolutely. Benefits. You, you betcha, you betcha, man. I, it's, you know, it's better than, you know, giving kids another option besides having to join the military. If they got no idea what they want to do, you know, it's like, here, go to college for free. Yeah. I, I, yeah, a community college. That is, a lot of them are just just a step above your high school. Yeah. So it's a comfortable position to be in. And not everyone is, you know, these star students coming in. I'm not saying I went to the University of Wyoming. I wasn't surrounded by star students. But there are a lot of people that came from really small communities. And they were totally blown out of the water by just being in my town of 35,000 people from their town of, 2000, 2000, you know, they're just, it, it's a different life. And if you don't know how to get school done in that life, you're not going to be successful, but if you can get it done at a junior college, community college, in your, maybe in your own hometown or just not close by, you can knock out those classes and learn how to be a student. And that's tough. That's how I, I struggle. That's why it took me so long to get through school because <laughs> I didn't know how to be a very good student. I mean, high school did not prepare me for such Things. It prepared me for doing what was necessary to get done to play sports. And those were done. And next thing I know, I had to be a student and I wasn't prepared. Yep. Nope. And I get it. So a few years of college, I was like, uh, what? Nowadays, they give them notes like, oh, yeah, the 
instructor gives us the PowerPoints and we just fill in the blank. I was like, man, that would have cut down in about two years of my college career if I had proper <laughs> notes already done. Just highlight the stuff I thought was going to be needed. But that, that, that I would wish college was free because being more educated as a society is just does the benefits are immeasurable. Immeasurable. They are, they are for sure. And, and it, it'll like, get us closer to that, that Star Trek world that sure. you know, we, we all would like to, to see happen someday. You know, no currency. Everybody just kind of works for the betterment of society. I mean, how, did, how does it get any better than that? Sure. Yeah. Or we were in the space race. We were in World War II when we had these common goals to space race created so much education, so much stuff that we have today. And, it, and that was all based on like a really push behind math and science. And yeah, they aren't, they aren't easy, but if we had more people doing them and understanding of them, life would be a whole lot different right now. I think during this pandemic, if we had a better education system, we probably wouldn't be in the same position we are. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and speaking of um, space exploration, did you, did you see they had to cancel that SpaceX launch today? No, I missed they were gonna, it. It was the, the first like manned SpaceX um, rockets. The first manned launch was supposed to happen today at like four thirty, but uh, it's the weather. The weather prevented it, so they're going to try again. Like I don't know, next week maybe. Yes, yeah, it was first what American launch in a long time. Yeah, I think since right? two thousand eleven. So almost ten years. It's too busy seeing all the cancellations of rodeos here in Wyoming. It was the, <laughs> the hopping news today. And so, and then I work from home. So like, I really try to get out and stay away from the social media. Like I try to work. It's difficult when I've got my computer right in front of me half time. But yeah, I remember going to happen that launch, but wasn't sure. I didn't know it didn't go down. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. But it will happen. It will happen. No, it's just yeah. exciting. It's exciting thought, that we're, we're kind of getting back into that. Um, I thought you were going to talk about uh, Space Force. And so <laughs> I was just like, that, that Space Force, as much as like the people behind it don't understand what is needed to actually have a Space Force, math, science, it's going to, I mean, if we really put military money behind NASA, it's going to kick some ass. We may be able to have that Star Trek world. Where, oh, could you imagine? You know, yeah. We would already have warp engines by now. Yeah. If you could put the military money behind space, because you got to put some money in it because you can't have grunt fucking Marines going up in space and it's got to be well done because they'll push the wrong button and, you know, kill hundreds of people. Yeah, exactly. And you know, so, they were given some really interesting figures. So I know we put like a trillion dollars a year into our, in our, into our military. Yeah. Well, NASA paid SpaceX. It was only like the tune of like 2.8 billion for five manned missions. I don't know if that means five rockets or if that's just, huh. you know, it needs to take a guy to take, needs to take cargo and people up five times and back. But um, 2.8 billion compared to a trillion dollars. I mean, that's, ah, like a penny in the wishing well you know it's just it blows my mind <laughs> yeah we need halliburton to get behind fucking space shuttles yeah exactly. ass ones exactly yeah. yeah if we were if we were paying top dollar for spaceships like we were for 
missiles and drones that can bomb things yeah. and you know fancy vehicles that are bulletproof or whatever oh my gosh i don't know halliburton if you're listening diversify into some space stuff <laughs> then i'll feel okay about paying that all that godly money for tanks we don't use for shit we don't use but <laughs> right. we can use some good ass spaceships it's supposed I'm to just in. make you feel better that you know that they're there yeah. if we yeah. need, if we need them they're there yeah, um, most of our military budgets we spend on like cybersecurity and and the cyber attacks. So you take out people's resources, they they aren't running tanks, they aren't doing anything. So yeah, you can stop a war before it ever happens, but no, we like to do it the hard way. They did a uh, a, a test on a laser off of a laser. ship a, a ship uh, the other day that uh, it, it took a drone out, an in-flight drone with a, with a laser shot. Great. It was very futuristic looking. Just like a flash cord laser. It, it was pretty cool, man. It was very, exactly like that, yeah. <laughs> it fired That's... it off of, a, off of a ship in the water um, and uh, it we, took a drone out. We're like, hey, we are the only ones that have drones out there and we're bombing everyone. Now we can show you how to beat us. Like, <laughs> like, here you go. Here's the way. This is how you just get a tracking system, laser on it. I saw a guy flying a drone the other day in Prexy's Pasture, which is our main uh, hub at the University of Wyoming. And you can just hear it zzzz, all around. I was like, man, is this, this the future? That thing's freaking loud. Sometimes. It is. It is. And they're all over Lincoln right now. In fact, I've been, I bought a little tiny one. It, you know, kind of sits in the palm of your hand just to, yeah. just to play with. You know, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm like, you know, there's, all these knobs and joysticks and buttons. I'm like, yeah, before I spend a lot of money on a fancy one, I should get a, you know, a cheap one and, and test it. And uh, it's, it's actually really fun. It took a long time to, to get the, con the controls under wraps. Um, you know, I wasn't very, I wasn't all that good at video games. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have like that, <laughs> the hand-eye coordination. So, uh, but uh, we, uh, I was on a bike ride the other day. And that's kind of my idea about buying one anyways, is the, they have these features where they'll follow you with whatever you're doing. You could be hiking on the side of a mountain or climbing on the side of a mountain or, or riding a bike or running. Um, and it you know, uses your phone, I guess, as a you know, it's a position marker. And it just follows you around, whatever you're doing. They'll do like weird, cool, like, you know, fancy fly-in shots. And, wow. I don't know why I think that's so cool, but I do, and I and it's it's like it's all I can think about sometimes is well, how cool it would look while I'm riding my bike to have video of what it looks like while I'm riding my bike. Yeah, and I mean it's the it's the future of um, our own uh, TV reality shows where you can for you can just give up chunks of your life for money. And people can just randomly watch you do your life. So you ride your bike all the time, so they've probably seen you do that. Or, you know, they can gain, gain more access, you know, the more money they pay. I, I said this for a long time. I was like, well, they're not making any more TV and movies right now because uh, we're in lockdown. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to have some new content, and it's going to be us, the people. Like, it's going to be homemade porn. It's going to be homemade movies like this. It's going to be like, oh, let's just see what DJ Rude's up to. I'll watch his YouTube channel. And it's going to be stuff like that, which is interesting. And that's, maybe that's why I got into this podcast. I've had the idea for a little while because I've had the radio shows for a while and sometimes they'll get on a tangent. And I was like, yeah, I need a talk show. 
And so I was like, okay, I want to do a podcast. And then I was like, well, my friends tell some great stories about their lives. They have some great stuff going on. So I got to get them on my show. And it kind of worked out well because we're in, we're all at home and we're all, you've got internet, you probably can access zoom like we're using. And so it, it made these internet, these interviews, I can connect with people all over the country. And so it's kind of great to see friends again. I've got to catch up with a few people and be able to hear them tell their stories. And so I'm taking what you can out of that situation, turn it around. It's great. But well, there, yeah. yeah, there hasn't been a better time to, uh, you know, actually start those hobbies that you've always yeah. talked about, you know, starting like, you know, Tracy, she got her, uh, her, uh, my girlfriend, I guess yeah. I should have introduced you. Uh, okay. My girlfriend, Tracy, we lived together for eight years now, but she had got out a sewing machine that I never even knew she had. Never knew. So, um, you know, so she's picked up the hobby that, uh, you know, maybe she had in the past, I guess, but, uh, you know, it, you got to find your niche, I guess. And, you know, and if you know, you you've got this this niche here. I found a guy. If you can find that really unique niche, you can make you all kinds of money. These yeah. Things. You know what I mean? Like you know, YouTube hits and, and subscribers and stuff. But there's this guy. It's my favorite right now. It was he's on YouTube. He's called the Cartnarks. Have okay. you heard of him? So his yeah. name is Agent Sebastian with the Cartnarks. So he goes around. He's in California somewhere. He goes around to shopping malls or you know like box stores whatever walmart parking lots and he publicly shames people with a megaphone that don't take their shopping cart to the cart corral good he I'm is it is the most amazing the most amazing uh content ever you you've got to because it really encapsulates like the american like to be an american right now yeah um, you know, and I guess I shouldn't generalize all Americans, but a lot of Americans, they're very self-centered, you yes. know, and he, when he, when he, you know, uh, tries to shame them, they will spend minutes of their lives, you know, yelling at the guy and telling him to leave him alone and blah, 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 when they could have just taken their cart back and done the right thing. Cause yeah. you know, everybody knows the guy's right. You didn't take your cart back. Well, that's a crappy thing to do. You know, that's not a you know, a, a good thing for society. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a simple thing that, you know, oh, that yeah. everyone should do. You know, like, I don't know. It, it, not throwing your cigarette butt out the window or your garbage, you know, period. Yes. Uh, it, it's just, uh, but it's just, it's hilarious. It's one of the, you have to, oh, you know, shame. check out the Cartnarks. <laughs> Cartnarks. Make sure you check that out, people. I have another one. I've been checking out because of John Oliver's show last week, tonight, Marble Racing. It's on YouTube. It is the most intriguing thing I've ever seen. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's well produced. It's made out of these guys. These guys in Sweden, I think, make it. Okay, it, and it's just well produced. It's like NASCAR racing, like commentary. Like guys like talks about like the silver marbles got a name, and it's got. It's just so. To me, I'm like, the production value is amazing. So, now, you can tell it just started off on like a dirt bank. And then they've built indoor tracks. And they have like heats and uh, it's just marbles. So and I'm envisioning have, like a track with just two. Does the marbles race each other? Is it is always like, you know, a one-on-one -on -one kind of a situation? or No, there's time trials first <laughs> with like eight marbles. 
and that sets them up on how they're going to start like a like a normal race and then they, they run the race all together and there's different like like bank embankments and stuff on the track that can speed them up slow them down i mean it's just random it's just so random how because they're all the same weight they're all like there's no like okay this white marble's better because no this just happens to win this race <laughs> and i think it started on the side of a hill and they they did it on you know cameraed it and then this guy's been calling it the last couple of years it's been going on and this guy does the play-by-play for it. And they have like computer graphics on the screen. Um, Jell's Marble Run, J-E-L-L-E-S, Marble Run. I subscribe to it. Tia's like, you're watching Marbles again? I'm like, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very, like, things that have they've kept me entertained during the quarantine. Like, I've worked on my yard a whole lot more. But I, now I can get out. Um, bought a PlayStation 4. Um, cause I was like, if there's not going to be an NFL season, I will have one. I will have my own. I'm not good enough to play online yet, but I'm getting better each time. And so they're still pumping out those, uh, those NFL football games every year. Yep. They got Madden. It was on Madden, uh, championship was on ESPN two this last week. And I think watching those guys is intense. I'm like, I used to make fun of people to watch other people play video games. And I'm like, God, I'm turning into that. Because I just want, I was like, well, if I want to see who the best is, I don't watch it very long. I will watch for a little bit. But when I first started subscribing to stuff on YouTube, I kind of felt that way. But now it's just so much different content on there. There's a whole channel about the 49ers. They got their own YouTube channel. I mean, University of Wyoming does that Marvel thing. I'm like, I'm missing out on so much content because I kind of blew YouTube off for just being like, kick them in the nut station, you know, like. Like that's all I thought about in music videos. Not so much more than that. It's guys that get shamed. Goes out and shames people for their car. Oh man, it, it's it's the best. And and every once in a while, the person will the you know they'll fight him for a minute, but then they'll do the right thing and they'll go take that car back. And it just yeah. it just says something about society to me. Oh. Like it really does that most of the time people would rather fight and argue and call the police on this dude then take their cart back to the cart crowd and it could be five foot away from them and they yeah. will still tell this guy leave me alone you're harassing me he puts these bumper stickers on their car that has oh. like a, an 800 number that so they could what does he say you could call and uh you know we'll discuss how to ways to change how you can you know be better at putting your cart away you <laughs> know basically it's it's uh it's great but you know that's that's what it's all about man you got to find that uh, that niche you know there's that fellow, that YouTube guy, uh, Mark Rober. He did the. Uh, he used to work for NASA or something. He used to design rocket engines, and started making so much money on YouTube that he quit his NASA job. <laughs> so this guy makes literally one video a month, but has like a million subscribers. Um, and he's you know all about science, like what okay. he, he made. He bought a bunch of cell phones and he put a bunch of engineering into a this glitter bomb trap for people porch pirates. Huh. So he oh. would you know uh, you know have this present on the porch it looks like a cell phone or whatever cell phone box um, and the people open it up and it it shoots fart spray out so it makes their house stink up real bad and then it just like shits litter everywhere. Yes. Uh, but it records it the whole time. <laughs> four different cell phones so like you know it's got 360 view 
this guy just put all this money into it. But, wow. you know, I'm sure he makes a hundred times that, you know, yeah. with all the people watching this video. But it's, it's amazing. And it's like, it just makes me think, I wish that I was, you know, half as clever as that guy. And <laughs> I could also just sit at home and make one, one movie, you know, a short video a month and make a living that way. How cool would that be? Yeah. Yes. Like I would rather, you know, everybody wants to work less and make more money. I'm all into that <laughs> yeah. one. Like it's such a, like my parents' generation, their, their jobs define them. And that was the, when they retired, they're like, Oh, what do I do? And I was like, I can't wait to retire. My job doesn't find me, you know? And if I could work less and make more money, I would, you know, uh, if I could spend more, less time working. Yeah. Because I think I'm more talented than what I put in my, what my job is. And it doesn't define me. It's not me. I mean, honestly, it doesn't. Because the first thing when I see people a lot of the time is they ask me about music and DJing and stuff. And that's cool. I'm good with that. Because they don't realize what my, the bill paying job is. And so, <laughs> um, that's fine. They, they know to me as that. I was like, I wish DJing could pay me like that. Like being on a radio station or doing podcasts could pay me to pay the bills. Because I'm much more fun. I enjoy it a whole lot more. I'd probably do a lot more with my life. And the, the time it takes me to do these shows and my radio shows, you know, that an eight hour work day. Oh shit. Yeah. I mean, I hate working. Yeah. I, I would much rather just do my hobbies all day, every day. Yeah. My, uh, did you hear that? Was that you? My, uh, um, text that used to work for me a few years back brought up this. They were like, soon enough, we're all going to have to be on social welfare. Like, because jobs weren't wear out because of automation. I was like, I hear you. And maybe run into that a little bit more now because we're figuring out what can be automated, what can be done remotely and stuff like that. But they're like, if you, if your daily bills, if your mortgage, your cell phone bill, the stuff that you need to get done daily was taken care of. All that was paid for. And you didn't have to work. Like if you were, you know, a necessary job, what could you get done? And I was like, so much. So much of my life would get done if I wasn't caught up in working for the man. Like, and I don't hate my job by any means. It's just work. So I wonder what we could get done in society if we were all caught up in just doing the the grind like you did at that factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And you know, and it really makes you kind of wonder how we've how we've done it these last you know couple thousand years of our evolution because you know we weren't. We didn't evolve from having jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. was, we just had to go pick some berries every once in a while and, and uh, maybe kill a little, I don't know, a little mammal of some kind to, to eat. It wasn't uh, protein. protein. Yeah. You know, and that would that occupy about 10 or 15 minutes of your day. Then the rest of the time you had to fuck off. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, gosh, what it would have been like, you know, to live back in those the good old days. A lot more basic. Yeah. I hear that. Um, uh, but yet, I don't know that. I don't necessarily want to be that basic. Um, I could definitely, I think I could, nowadays could definitely live more um, off the grid and more now than ever. You know, as long as you have electricity and such, I could make things work. Internet would be handy, you know, but otherwise, fine. I probably could occupy my time and figure things out and yeah, work the land. Oh, yeah. whatever it takes, you know, if you have that kind of stuff to live off the grid. It'd be great to be a little more basic. Sure. Um, say it's hard to say as a technology guy that if like 
last with all this stuff, but I've really, I grew up as a boy scout and I grew up in wilderness. I grew up, I grew up in Wyoming. Like we love the outdoors. So it seems like, yeah, all this technology is great and all, but I could do without it. As long as I still, still need a job and all that. I get that. But I was like, yeah, all right. Did you get your uh, knot tying badge when you're in Boy Scouts? Yep. I can't, oh man, it would probably, they just, knots just come out when I'm tying, like I'll be tying knot and I'll be like, okay, what I needed to do and I'll be able to do something. I need to move a little bit, I think. But I don't remember all of them by any means. The one of the merit badges I remember the most was definitely, um, I think it was swimming badge. And you had to jump into the pool and with clothes on and make like basically a life preserver out of your pants, your jacket. You throw them up in the air and they catch wind. You tie off your ends. It works. It, it sure works. does work. I actually remember yeah. getting that badge too and having to do that same thing. Yeah, that's probably the most, that's probably the one I remember the most. Like it, like, cause at the beginning I'm like, no way, you know, I mean, you read a book and you're like, okay. And you have your scout masters and all, you know, helpers there and your parents go, okay. You do it and you're like, all right. And I was a good swimmer. So I wasn't terrified to be in that situation. Hang on to drown. I mean, we were not, we were in enough water that we couldn't touch the bottom. So we get it done. That uh, Boy Scout memory, I had one, we had pink moose, like the hair stuff. And, you know, we're sixth graders, seventh graders, and put in our hair. And one guy at the end of the night just throws the moose, no, the next day, throws the moose can in the fire. Oh. Pressurized <laughs> explosion. Like it was like out of the, um, I knew exactly what was about to happen. And I was like, no. And then as I, I get the L out, I turn the other way and run. I'm like, no, because I knew it was going to explode. And it did. And our dads came running. What the hell? I told them what we did. And they're like, your ears ringing? I'm like, yeah. They're like, yeah, you learned your lesson there. And so, but yeah, Boy Scouts. But I mean, it was, yeah, that being that basic, it, loving nature was kind of a, is a good thing. I might not be in as much as I used to be, but um yeah, people need to realize that Twitter ain't a thing. Twitter don't matter. You know, your tree does. The trees do. The trees do matter, yeah. You know, and, and I was reading some numbers the other day, like since the, the quarantine, it seemed, uh, I guess more people are going out more often to like, you know, areas to hike and experience the outdoors instead of staying at home. So that, I, I guess that's a positive, positive thing that's come of this. They think nobody's going to be there. Then we're all there. Well, like, that's hey, exactly yeah. what, that's what it's turned into. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is, I, it, we're, I'm lucky in, in Wyoming and Nebraska is probably the way, maybe not Lincoln because it's a bigger city, but we don't have a lot of big population. So we're already social distance um, already. And so yeah, it's I, easy I, for you guys. Yeah. I feel fortunate. I can walk around my neighborhood and be like, not feel like I'm going to get the virus. You know, if someone passes me on the street, we give wide bursts and everything, but it's nice. I don't feel, I'm, I feel very safe at home. A lot of people don't, or they're just bored out of their mind or like they can't even go out their front door because it's right in an apartment building and it's just other people could be sick. And it's, it's start, the fear starts at your front door. And that That's is exactly rough. right. Yep. And I can imagine that. And so I feel fortunate that that's not the case here. And so, yeah, 
I feel like I get to go in touch with nature a little bit more. Um, I've gone outside a lot more. Yeah, like I said, worked on my yard. We're going to go camping in a few weeks. So in Wyoming, there's a lot of space that nobody will be there. So you guys are reopening your uh, like outdoor tent camping? Um, I think state parks are open here, but it might be just to locals. But if you guys are interested in camp, know, camping in Wyoming, it may be open more now. That was the case for a long time. This yeah. is a private area up um, near South Dakota. So we got the hookup on for Tia's 40th. Yeah, you guys had to make new plans uh, because of all this. What was it, uh, New Orleans? Is that yeah. where you guys was headed to? Yeah, we were going to go to New Orleans, but it's kind of a hot spot. Yeah, for and sure. <laughs> not going to happen. And so um, we, a, it took a long time to get like the refund on the, the Airbnb. And I was like, what do they expect us to do? Go there and not enjoy New Orleans being closed? You know, like, I, but it, we got everything, everything sorted out. It's good. Yeah, that's but, good. But we, yeah, we definitely, I mean, I've never been. So I want to go. I want to go. And so it'll probably be another trip we'll take. Hopefully a widespread panic trip. Yeah, that's when I went down there for yeah. back in like 08 or 09, I think we uh, saw Panic two nights at the Heritage Jazz and Music Festival, which was a, a non-camping festival that they have down there. So we had us a, a hotel room like, gosh, somewhere downtown yeah. New Orleans. We weren't too far away from from uh, all, all the action. It was walking distance. Yeah, I think I might. I know I've watched that jazz festival with Panic there once or twice on like TV pay per view type deal. Like they had it streamed. And so, yeah, I'm one to go. I'd love to go for something like that, but gotta wait. Gotta wait it out again. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just can't imagine like the first day, like Panic goes back on, widespread Panic goes back on tour. People, if you don't know, I'm talking about a band called Whitespray Panic. They're a Southern rock blues band. Uh, they're probably in their 50s. Um, I've seen them 50 sometimes. John has seen them. How many times have you seen Whitespray Panic? Oh, not as many as you have, no. for sure. But I mean, at least a dozen. And you know, and I've been to a lot of uh, really cool uh, locales nice. to, to see them to see them play. You know, so that, that's kind of my my funnest part is just the, the different locations they play at. Oh, I hear you. And it's interesting because we didn't, there's a lot of concerts that John and I didn't know each other yet. And we were at the same place as Rothbury being one. Um, where is another one? Was there, there's got to be another one. Was that Omaha? Were you at the Omaha show in uh, 2011? Was it at the, um, gosh, that little theater called uh, the, the Orpheum or the something? The Orpheum. Yes, yeah. I was in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, place- it's got seats. That place didn't know what hit them. They were not prepared for a widespread no. panic concert at all. Did they have seats? Yeah, there was the, seats. Yeah. yeah, it sucked. I hated it, that. It didn't last long. People just started smashing together in the middle. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Forming groups around the seats. And yeah. It it wasn't. Oh, uh, sorry, Omaha. You're like an O for five with me. No, maybe four times. I've been in Omaha. Not my favorite place to go. I know your relatives are there, but. Um, yeah, I was ready to get out. I went on to Milwaukee right after that. So I was ready to not, is not the, my favorite place to start a panic tour, but 
I'm glad I, I at least had an experience. It was an experience. Well, my... It was an experience, but it was just the wrong venue. Yeah. They should have, they should have found something different. I don't know. It was, it, they just weren't ready for them in that little theater. It was a beautiful yeah. theater, though. You know, one of those the old school, you know, I don't know how they make all those designs in the ceilings exactly, but it was really cool. Uh, on the recording, JB, they do, I think they do Cream Puff War. And he comes on, he's like, man, it felt like it took us eight hours to get here, and it's going to take us 12 hours to get out, but it was all worth it. You know, and so he kind of Kind of poked for a little fun out of uh, Omaha being not really necessarily out in the middle of nowhere. Wasn't as, that wasn't Lincoln. Like everybody thinks of Nebraska and Lincoln, but Omaha's what bigger than Lincoln, correct? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot bigger. A lot bigger. Yeah. And so like they don't, nobody thinks Omaha right away when you think of Nebraska. I don't. I think Lincoln. It's just University of Nebraska. But yeah, Omaha's huge. And it's because it's right up against. Iowa and Council Bluffs is right there, I do believe. That's yeah. why, I like, one of the first times I've gambled is Council Bluffs. So, yep, it's just a stone's throw away from you know yeah. from Omaha. You just go across the river and you can spend all your money in the casinos. <laughs> True, which I've been known to do here and there. Do you like to gamble at all? I never took a, took to it. I uh, uh, good. That's good for you. I've never had a lot of money and never made a lot of money, and it's hard for me just to. To throw it in the trash, I guess. Uh, I justify it as a, well, I go pay for movie money to go see concerts, movies. It's entertaining. And actually, at the sometimes I might win some. But I never expect to, like, this is going to cure it all if I could just win this big bet. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. You're not going in there, you know, well, if I don't win tonight, I can't pay my mortgage. Yeah, none of that or, stuff. Or whatever, yeah. No. <laughs> no. I like it enough. And then there's times where it's just like, I'll shut my eyes and all I just see is the casino and my stems spinning and I'm like, okay, that's enough gambling. <laughs> too much overload. So, but yeah, I justify it through its entertainment and that's all it needs to be. It's not a way of life that I needed to participate. Well, I'm almost ready to wrap this up, but I got one final question. I always say this, but it always turns into more questions. How did we meet? Oh yeah, that's a that's a fun question actually. Yeah, that's a fun. It has a fun answer. So yeah. I I had you know my best friend growing up. His name was Aaron Ocampo, and he had a little sister a few years younger named Tia Ocampo. And Aaron and Tia and I were all roommates um, in Lincoln, Nebraska, for geez a long time. We lived in the same house for years and years, and uh, Tia went to mortuary school, got, uh, got her degree in, in that, and ended up in Laramie, Wyoming eventually, where she met this dude who was a DJ in the local bar named Justin. And uh, she was all excited about this guy. And she calls me and she says, John, you don't come out very often. I want you to come out, hang out for the weekend, meet this guy, Justin. He's so awesome. And uh, so I drove all the way to Laramie from Lincoln. That's about what, seven hours, a little over seven hours. And mm-hmm. I roll into town and Tia's, Tia's already down at the bar where, where, where Justin is, is he's uh, you know, spinning discs. He's got, oh, wow. uh, yeah. And um, so we drank and we, we, we partied. We were merry. 
and uh, <laughs> it was it was great. It was a fun time. So, and and that Justin was you, Justin. Yes. Wow, it's DJed. Hmm. Cool. We were DJing at the at the bar. I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you what the place was called. You probably remember, but I, I remember us parking in a free spot like a block away, and then walking over to this place because like there was nowhere to park on the street. Um, it was you know it was like a was Friday I, night or a Saturday night or something crazy. Was I inside? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I man, it could have been Sharktoberfest. Yeah. I was spot DJing by then in bars. Like I kind of wrapped up like my long tenure at a place called Lovejoy's in 2010. So, and I didn't meet Tia until 2011. And so it was random bars here and there. I had friends that would ask me to come and DJ before I really became like internet or I was community radio for a while before I did all that stuff. And so it's, I'm hard pressed to go work another bar again. It's just not my crowd. It's not my scene. Sure. Uh, younger person's game which you kind of graduated yeah you graduated yeah. out of that for sure i like playing what i do on my internet shows folks if you haven't heard them you should have by now cowboyjoradio.com tune in and uh yeah i like played it there i do weddings um i had two weddings that got canceled this summer because of the pandemic which is okay i was trying to figure out how they would get requests to me i thought about like a dry erase board and i just <laughs> leave and write it down and i'll grab it okay you know I was just trying to figure out because I because when people have requests and they get all drunk, man, they are all up close and personal with you, and no mask is gonna. I mean, I would have to have one on, but I would hate doing. I mean, oh, they would cough all over all your, your yeah computer, all your equipment. Oh yeah, it would be terrible. Yeah, you never know. And so uh, yeah, even even without, it's just not a fun place sometimes with drunk people. There's got to be a better way for requests sometimes than being manhandled like i have been as a dj <laughs> and such um but all right man thanks for uh being on my show and uh doing a great interview yeah That's it was fun. fun it was fun man we have good chemistry yes well I mean, we can talk yes i can talk you can talk it's good Friends, I am looking for an artist or artist to play some uh, music, some transition music for me. Like you just heard right there, I use some free stuff. Uh, I'd love to have a, a local musician or at least someone I know uh, do some maybe some DJ stuff, some scratching of turntables or some guitar licks, some bass licks, some drum licks, whatever. Let me know if you're that person or you know some people that would be able to do that for me. I will totally talk you up during this show every time i play your music on the show and maybe we can work out like a theme song or an opening song of some sorts that'd be awesome so if you're that person hit me up on my social media dj rude entertainment on facebook and if you know me justin flaskard on facebook if you know me you can just text me your information or pm me dm me uh twitter if you you know have a twitter account you can tweet me you can direct message me on Twitter. I do believe it's at Jammin, J-A-M-M-I-N underscore DJ underscore Rude. That's Jammin G DJ Rude on Twitter. Then you got Instagram and my handle is Arena. Send me a private message, direct message, whatever it is. Or you can also hit me up with a tweet, you know, a private tweet. Tell me, show me your music in a tweet. And my Twitter handle is 
uh, Rootzilla68. So it's all sorts of social media. Just get a hold of me, and we will uh, be famous together on this show if you send me some of your music. And you can also be, you know, the house band. And I will definitely talk you up and promote you a tons. Tons. Okay. Now, I didn't think I met John until he came out this way to run the Warrior Dash down in Colorado with uh, Tia and some of her friends. And But maybe it was a time I was DJing, and that's cool. I meet a lot of people DJing and everything. I did end up running the Warrior Dash with John. Well, he is an awesome runner. He's very uh, great shape, uh, bikes a lot, uh, bicycles a lot in Nebraska. And so he kicks our ass. And so I ran it two years in a row. He ran it two. And uh, it, it tore me up. It's hard to run. You know, you think you're training and you're doing well. And then when I train at 7,000 feet and then I go and run a race at like 10,000 feet. It just sucks the air right after out of you. Now, I wish Wyoming has one. Does Wyoming have a Warrior Dash? If Wyoming has a Warrior Dash, please let me know. I'll look it up after this show. But I don't think they do. So the moment Wyoming gets a Warrior Dash, and I'm in. I'll rerun it again. I want to do another Warrior Dash. I just probably have to get in better running shape. So, John, if you're up for it, let's do a, another Warrior Dash, maybe 2021. All right, friends. On to the next podcast.